Hey listeners, this is Grant here, and I have Thomas with me, who is a registrar at Reformation International College and Seminary. So Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about the school you work at? Well, Grant, Reformation International College and Seminary exists to prepare the next generation of preachers, teachers, and other leaders in the Reformed Christian faith. Our college courses are only $75 per credit, and seminary courses are $95 per credit. We also have doctoral programs for those interested. Awesome. So what would you say is a unique feature about Reformation International College and Seminary? Well, one unique feature about our program is that all courses are online and self-paced. Students take one class at a time, and once finished, move on to the next class. Study guides are given for each course where you will answer questions based on your lectures and readings. Our Dean of Studies grades these, emails them back to you, and provides feedback. Quizzes are based on your study guides, and exams are based on your quizzes, creating a streamlined and efficient system. What would you say to those who are seeking ordination into the ministry? We've had graduates use their MDiv degree to be ordained in several Presbyterian and Reformed denominations. Our catalog also shows how our courses meet all the requirements of other Reformed denominations' recommended curriculum for those preparing for the ministry. Perfect. So how can people get a hold of the seminary? You can learn more about our programs at reformationseminary.org. And if you wish to ask me questions or are ready to apply, please email me at registrar at reformation.edu. Awesome. What was that website again? Reformationseminary.org. Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation podcast, you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com. You can follow Rebel Alliance Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also follow us, Awakening Reformation Podcast, on all of the social media platforms. You can find Rebel Alliance Media on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. Subscribe to us there so that way you get our episode every Tuesday. You can also get the Rebel Podcast that comes out on Wednesday. We record another podcast with our kids called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids, and that comes out on Monday. We got blogs going up every week, so go check out the website, go follow us on social media, share and like the stuff, invite your friends to like the page. We would greatly appreciate it. We love listener feedback, topic suggestions. You can email us at awakeningreformation at gmail.com. And is there, is there <laughs> anything else? My mom is messaging me right now. <laughs> so Erica's mom, as we record, is messaging us a video. Can we, should we just t- talk about it? It's kind of funny. My mother's terrified that our children are going to get kidnapped in Brooklyn. Yeah. So we're moving to Brooklyn. <laughs> In just a couple weeks from this, from the airing of this, and we just got a video from Erica's mom on Facebook Messenger of, it's a compilation of kids being kidnapped. <laughs> like, it's like surveillance video of supermarkets and stuff. And one of them was a kid just like playing alone in an alley. 
I don't know why that's videotaped. I don't know. But there was... She just sent me another link to Sexual Assault Center of Family Services and said, see, they are on my Facebook page. <laughs> so she... Don't you know, worry, Mom. Don't worry. We we keep our kids close in the supermarket. We don't let them roam. And in the alleyways. Or alleyways, which we don't have. We might. We won't have there. We're going to be in a big apartment building. I'm just teasing. Anyway. Um... Anyway, it's pretty, it's funny. So there's that. I was left in Costco alone, me, my brother, and my sister. My parents would just go shop. It was a different world. For like an hour. Yeah, it was different. But anyway. This is a fun conversation to have while you're folding socks. Erica's doing laundry. So tonight, we are going to pick up where we left off a couple months ago on our Reforming Family series. Mm -hmm. We've already done Reforming Marriage and Parenting, Yep. and we're going to kick it off again tonight and pick up where we left off. We are going to talk about singleness and how to redeem singleness. For anyone who is over the age of 25 and still single, or sometimes even younger than 25, I'm sure you have felt the glancing stares or the back backhanded comments from your family about why aren't you married yet or I want grandkids or interested in anyone yeah exactly or you're constantly you know the person who your friends are trying to set up yeah we just want to talk about singleness and everyone is single at some point in their life and there are people who are given the gift of singleness yeah so we kind of want to talk about taking back this period of singleness or perhaps how to redeem a lifestyle of singleness yeah so hopefully we can touch on many people's concerns as we talk about this Mm -hmm. but basically there's two categories of being single one is single and no desire to be married and then the other category is just you're single and you want to be married and it's just not time yet or just hasn't happened yet Mm -hmm. and statistically speaking most people will be married at some point in their life it's not very common that you won't be married, especially if you have a longing to be married. And we would say if there is a longing to be married and you do have that heart's desire, well, more than likely you will be married at some point. It's just not this season for you right now. So instead of longing for a spouse in a unholy or perhaps sinful manner, Mm -hmm. what can you do in that season of singleness? How can you redeem the time that God is giving you, you know, we're not supposed to be um, squanderers of time. We are supposed to redeem it and utilize it to the best of our God-given abilities. Yep. What do you say to that person who says, I really want to be married and I see all my friends getting married and it's really hard when there's not even anyone who seems to be worth dating or worth courting and I just have this unfulfilled longing. Well, talk about things like unfulfilled. You know, I'm going to point somebody to Christ. And this would be single, not yet married, and someone single who doesn't really have a desire to be married. Is that everyone should be fulfilled in Christ. Everyone should be fulfilled in their relationship with Jesus. And that being the ultimate for our life in any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Single, married, suffering, in plenty. And you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's our fulfillment comes from him, not from personal relationship circumstances. And there's this lie, especially in culture, but I think even in the church, 
that a spouse can give you something that you don't currently have an ability to have outside Mm -hmm. of being married or something. And it's this idea of like a soulmate or your better half, your other half. And that's just a lie. I mean, nowhere in scripture do we see that the spouse is your soulmate. Mm -hmm. We see a spouse as a leader and a helper. Those are two roles, right? Right. But perhaps if God sees fit to not give you a spouse right now, it's because you don't need a leader or a helper. <laughs> um, praise God. He's he's going to be both of those things for you. He will lead you and he will help you. Right. He is leading you with his word and by his Holy Spirit, and he's helping you with his Holy Spirit. So you're not lacking for anything if you do not have a spouse. That's just a lie. As someone who's been married for 10 years, there's this idea in the very beginning of wedded, wedded bliss. Oh, I'm going to get married and I can have this beautiful wedding and this perfect little family. And oh, yeah. and I love my family and we have a great marriage, don't get me wrong. But that excitement that I had on my wedding night or when we were first dating, it wears off. I'm sorry, when did, it, when did this wear off? <laughs> it does though, you know, that yeah. that feeling of like, oh, I just have this wonderful thing that lays ahead of me and I just can't wait to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very a human way of thinking that looking forward to the next great thing as though it's going to bring some type of greater fulfillment or enlightenment. Yeah. Like if I just get married, then I'll feel more fulfilled. But then you ask the couple who's been trying for children for what seems like forever and they can't get pregnant. You'd be like, well, at least you have a husband. At least you have someone you love. But they already have that now. And that didn't fulfill them quite like they thought it was going to. And so now they want a child. They're thinking, if if I just have a child, then that will fulfill me. And then after a while, that wears off. If you have a kid and it is no longer cute and squishy enough, you know, (laughs) lump of folded skin and a little sinner. Right. Yeah, it's simple discontent. And I think of Ecclesiastes when Solomon talks about grasping at the wind and we're just chasing, chasing, chasing. And that's mm-hmm. once you get it, there's nothing there. Right. Our culture thrives off this. This is every magazine cover. Yep. This is the new next thing, the new best, whatever it is. That's exactly what our culture um, is hoping, that you stay discontent. Mm-hmm. And that's how they sell you products. But Well, that's why the divorce rate is so high, right? Yeah, because the first, I'm no longer fulfilled. The first spouse didn't quite meet your needs and wasn't quite that better half, or yeah, or not anymore. Right. It was great for a little while, but now it's kind of so. Now we got to find a new one. Yeah, I got to upgrade. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's a lie that society feeds mm-hmm. to people, and I think it can, if believed, lead to a lot of discontentment, and yeah. not just in your singleness, but when you do find your spouse, it can lead to a lot of harm yeah, cause further if you, on. If you marry believing that lie, mm-hmm. you're just going to continue down that tragic road right. in your marriage. Right. Thinking that you're less than unless you right. have a spouse, have kids, mm-hmm. have this perfect little family. Yeah. Whatever your little subculture is telling mm-hmm. you is the pinnacle of fulfillment. You right. Know? You, you got to find fulfillment in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's going to be key. Right. For and that doesn't life. mean that we're saying look down upon marriage. Marriage is no. a blessing. And I think to, I mean, the scripture says he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's very biblical. And it's not wrong to have desires for a spouse. We're not mm-hmm. saying that at all. What we're saying is you have to manage your desires, right? Mm-hmm. Right. What advantage does a single person have? Well, the single person has lots of advantages. You know, we've talked a lot 
if you go back in some of our other episodes, we talk about how the role that God has given to a woman and to a man are distinct and different from each other. Mm-hmm. And so in the marriage, there are these particular ways in which a woman can reflect who God is in her role. So how she submits to her husband reflects how Jesus submitted to the Father. And then when she acts like a helpmate to her husband, she's reflecting how the Holy Spirit is our helpmate. And likewise, the husband, when he leads and he's pursuing his wife and his bride, that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus pursued his bride. Jesus protected his bride. Jesus does uh, leads his bride. So that's a way that a man can reflect God and his role as a husband. And when we say those things, I can just hear swarms of single people <laughs> saying, totally agree. That sounds great. What about me? Yeah. How do I reflect the character of God? I'm not married. Therefore, I am not good for anything until I'm married. Is that what you're saying? And I would absolutely say... Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, in this moment, time, when you are given this gift of singleness, there is a very special way which you get to reflect who God is by being pure, by being celibate, by utilizing all the giftings that God has given to them wherever he has uniquely placed them. That's exactly what Jesus did. So for the single person... You do what Jesus does, and you get to mirror and model Jesus's faithfulness. And that's something that a married person can't do. We can't do what Jesus did in realms of celibacy, in realms of ministry. There's You just have more free time as a single person. And Jesus was single. You get to yeah. do what he did. I mean, that's like pretty cool, right? <laughs> he was like literally just traveling around a country, free to move about wherever he wanted, minister wherever he wanted. I think Paul kind of gets at this in 1 Corinthians when he says a single person can give their whole life to the Lord. Mm-hmm. What an amazing thing. Right. Paul almost kind of sounds like he's downing marriage, which of course we know he's not, but he says the married person is bound to their spouse and obligated to serve them and take care of the family. And so they you know, necessarily just mm-hmm. have less time and are restricted, right? I can't just go gallivanting off and doing mm-hmm. missionary trips whenever I want and wherever, you know right. what I mean, for however long. And well, stuff. there's time constraints, financial constraints and responsibilities. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just different. And we have been part of churches where I've actually heard single people say it's really unfair that the single people are treated as though they're just free labor. And it's really unfair that the single people in the church are expected to do more than the people with families and that are married. And I just want to stop and ask those people, okay, first of all, if you're feeling burnt out, it's okay to take a break. Yeah. Second of all, the Bible says that you have more time, yeah. less cares than the married person. That should bring you joy. That's a privilege. Yeah. That's a privilege that you have that someone mm. who has a family doesn't. God's going to use you in distinct different ways, and he can because he's giving you this gift of singleness. It's not a curse. It shouldn't feel like a burden. Mm-hmm. If you're viewing um, service to God and and ministering to his bride as a curse or as a burden, then I think you probably should take a break and do some studying and see what God's word has to say about ministry and... Yeah, you might want to check your heart. (laughs) Yeah, it it is a privilege. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of married men and women who are slightly jealous of that privilege that you have. I am. Yeah. I miss in, in that aspect... I don't want to say this wrong. I miss that aspect 
alone mm. of my singleness. Like I remember just going to everything at church mm-hmm. and I probably should have served in more ways than I did mm-hmm. or looked for more ways to serve, but I was able to serve in tons of ways and was at everything and just was around everything and it was awesome Mm -hmm. in some sense i'm jealous i'm like man i wish i could be at every you know prayer meeting and Mm -hmm. every event and serve in everything and like i used to but right i got a wife and three kids and a job and yeah it's just more difficult so it's it's really a privilege and if you look at it as a burden or some kind of you know if you look at it with disdain Mm -hmm. yeah check your heart i know it's kind of a joke thing with uh john chris but honestly it's Whoa, serving the Lord is all of a sudden a a burden. A burden for it's you? Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and serving his bride. Yeah. You can say, "Oh no, I, I love serving God, but his church is just stressing me out." Well, his church is his bride, and he loves that. He died for his bride. Mm-hmm. So, serving his bride should be a privilege and seen as a privilege as well. And like I said, it's okay to take a break if you're literally working for the church, you know, 40 yeah, hours a week on top course. of a 40-hour job. Yeah. I mean, Okay, we get it. We're not saying that you should be enslaved to yeah. the whims of the church, but but just really change how you're seeing serving God and, and just mm-hmm. seeing this role that he's given to you because it's unique. It's a way in which you can mirror him and it's probably temporary. So redeem the time, you know, make the most of your time. Mm-hmm. I think when you're single and you have these longings to be married and have a family, it can feel like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to get out of this situation in life that I'm in right now. It can seem like I've been yeah. this way forever. It's never going to change for me. Everyone else is happy <laughs> and I'm just never going to be there. Okay. Well, there's a little pity party you're having and it, you might need to repent and just say, that's not what God has given to me right now. So I need to be content where he has me right now. How can I maximize the giftings he's given me and the situation he's placed me in for his glory? Do that. Work till you're, you know, <laughs> dead tired doing those things. Yeah. And you will be surprised if you're being faithful with what he's given to you in his timing, in his will. He will bring to you a spouse. Mm-hmm. And what better arena mm-hmm. to find that spouse than whilst you are serving in your local church? Because mm-hmm. if the other single people are doing the same thing, right. you're going to kind of be around each other often. Right. And you just might find the one. Yep. <laughs> you might find someone to marry. Well, and for single guys out there, I'm just going to speak as a woman. If I am looking for a godly leader who is going to be able to lead me spiritually, lead my family spiritually, who's not going to be just a bum sitting on his mom's couch, I'm looking for someone who's responsible and actually does love the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be looking for him in a bar. I'm not going to be looking (laughs) for him at Foot Locker. I'm not going to be looking for him in those places. I'm going to be looking for him in the church. Yep. I'm going to be looking for him to be in a place of leadership and a place of service. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing those jobs, that's where a godly woman is going to expect to find you. Yep. And like Erica was saying, you have the greatest example of how to live the single life in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so you see him taking a break and recharging when he would yep. spend time in prayer and separate from the crowds. But you also saw him discipling for several years and he poured his life into people and teaching. And so that's a huge mm-hmm. ministry that single people can be doing in the church. So you have a great example in the life of Jesus as mm-hmm. a single person. 
Yep. The best example ever. Can't get any better than Jesus. For real. So the the other thing is a gift of singleness means that, you know, it's not the norm. Right. Right? It wouldn't be called a gift of something if, well, you know, if it wasn't. And Paul talks about that. Yeah. Having the gift of singleness. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he said he had it. First Corinthians 7, verse 7, Paul just says, I wish that all were as I myself am, which mm-hmm. is single. He says, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Mm-hmm. So he understands that some people have this gift of singleness like he does mm-hmm. and others don't. He basically says, if you don't have this, then the goal is, is marriage. God has designed marriage. I was just going to gonna ask you, so how do you oh, know yeah. if you have the gift? Of singleness. If you have any desire at all, either sexually mm-hmm. or, you know, for a family, for marriage. For a and spouse. For a spouse. But there are people we've met that legit just don't have any desire. They do want to serve the Lord and... There's just no inkling towards having like a sexual desire in particular, I think, right? Right. I mean, that's... Paul even says in that same chapter, it's better to marry than to burn with lust. Right. So if you're burning, get married. Yeah. Right. He's saying it's, it's not, not a, good. It's not a sin for you to marry. Right. He clearly says that. Yeah. If you have sexual desires or if you are attracted to someone or mm-hmm. you want to be married and you want to have a family, then you you're probably not given the gift of singleness. Right. That, that That is your indicator. Right. So to find a wife is to find a very good thing. Yes. Or Amen. a husband. Or if a it's husband. the opposite. Right. <laughs> um, there are two options. Well, one option. (laughs) So one option for each person. For each gender. gender, Which there are two of. That'd be very clear. Nowadays. So yeah. So if if you have any of those desires, get married. That doesn't mean you just like marry the first thing you see, but it means while you're serving the Lord, if someone catches your Mm -hmm. eye, consider them. Yeah. And we're going to talk about in another... The next episode. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. next episode about godly... A godly view of dating slash courtship, courtship and that whole thing. Right. So stay tuned to next week. Right. We'll get deeper into that. But, you know, I love the story of Nancy Lee DeMoss mm-hmm. because she never had that desire mm-hmm. for a husband and she grew up loving to teach the Bible. And so she started women's ministries mm-hmm. and did that for what? 30 years? Um, like she started in her early 20s, right? No, I think she was even younger than that. Like in high school mm-hmm. or something? So probably almost 40 years maybe, but in her 50s, right? Yep. She's middle, late 50s. God took that gift away and gave her a different gift. Mm-hmm. Paul says one has gift and another has a different gift. And now she desired a husband and a you know man came along and they got married recently. And so she got married in her late 50s and, you know, I think still... she was 54, okay. perhaps. But it's just such a cool example for single people that think... Being single is unfulfilling mm-hmm. or that they're no of no use to the church. You You'd know. be hard-pressed to find a female Bible teacher who has done more for the kingdom than Nancy Lee DeMoss, now Walgamuth. Um, <laughs> she did not name. sit on the back pew waiting for a man to find her. She used her 54 years or whatever it was mm-hmm. to the fullest. You yeah. know, She started this flourishing women's ministry which is now international. Yeah. And she studied and taught scripture and her impact on thousands upon thousands of women is just 
probably unsurpassed, certainly in this time of history. I mean, it's she's just phenomenal. And in the midst of her singleness, taught on marriage, mm-hmm. praised marriage, yeah. heralded marriage as a blessing from the Lord. She spoke highly of her parents' marriage. She taught parenting classes, biblical parenting classes, in which she would share biblical principles. Mm -hmm. And so if you are single and you're even given the gift of singleness, this doesn't mean you can't speak into the lives of your married friends. I mean, Jesus spoke a lot on marriage. Paul spoke a lot on marriage. Learn about marriage, whether you're going to be married someday or not. Learn about these um, biblical uh, expectations for married couples and for parents. And it's a way that you can encourage the body, encourage the bride of Christ. So don't feel like you're being ostracized out of the rest of the church. You should not feel like a secondary citizen, unless we're saying that Paul and Jesus himself were secondary class Christians. Yeah. And part of fulfilling the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply, tend and keep the earth, make it flourish, that went into uh, Adam and Eve's... Cultural mandate? The job description God gave them is not just have babies and that's it. That's the end of it is just, you know, (laughs) procreate. Right. Well, if that was, was if that was the end, then what would you say to people who can't naturally have children? Yeah, exactly. And they're not being obedient either. So clearly that's not the only way in which you can fulfill that that command. Well, and we see that it was a global mandate mm-hmm. and then Jesus reiterates this global mandate in the Great Commission by saying to make disciples of all the nations Mm-hmm. To the ends of the earth. And what did he tell them to do? To teach them everything that I've taught you and to do. Teach them what I've taught you. Teach them to obey, yeah. Yeah, and teach them to obey. So the idea of the cultural mandate was to create more image bearers that obey God, that worship God, and are in communion with him. That was the point. So a single person can still help in doing that. Well, and it's commanded of both men and women by yeah. Paul himself. You know, Paul tells men to train up young men who are faithful. And Paul tells older women to teach and train the younger women sound doctrine and to love their husbands and their, you know, their children. You want to clarify and kind of blast the spiritual friendship thing for a minute? Yeah. So a lot of people, whether they have same sex attractions or not, or or heterosexual attractions, maybe wanting to be married so bad and they're not finding their fulfillment in Christ. There is a popular teaching right now. A guy named Wesley Hill wrote a book and I've just read a lot of people critique the book. So take that or leave it. But the idea is that you can find that fulfillment in friendships in the church. And some of these friendships get really intimate, uh, same sex or not. So you're talking about trying to find the marital kind of love. Right. We're not talking about a friendship kind of love. We're talking about combining two types of love, smushing them together and saying it's the same thing. Right. And again, we would go back to saying your fulfillment is in Christ, Mm -hmm. not in the friendships. Right. So whether that person gets married, opposite gender, Mm -hmm. or they find, or or not, the problem is that they're not finding their fulfillment in Christ. It'll still um, be a tragic thing if they get married thinking that the spouse is the one that's going to fulfill them. So don't seek the friendships to fulfill this desire that you have to get married. Well, this is where the conflation is, is that he's saying you can have an erotic kind of love, but you should stifle that because it's sinful Mm -hmm. and instead replace it with that phileo kind of love, which is a friendship kind of love. Yeah. And you can't really do those because they're two different types of affections, right? 
Yeah. So I can have a friendship with other men. Right. That's right and godly. I should view them as brothers. There are limitations to that friendship, certainly. Certainly. But if I if I can't have a friendship with another man, there's probably something sinful inside of me that needs to be repented of. True. So I, I should be doing that. But the type of love that I have for you can be more than an erotic kind of love. And it is more than an erotic kind of love. Mm-hmm. There is friendship there. There is a long-suffering type of love there. And it goes beyond just um, a physical attraction. Right. But in the spiritual friendship, Wesley Hill way of thinking He's saying you're homosexual and you have desires for the same gender. So instead of having an erotic kind of affection or longing for this person, Mm -hmm. you should just have a friendship kind of affection for that person. And if you have friendship affections, then you will no longer have this erotic affection. Yeah. That's just dumb. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's somehow thinking that that's going to fulfill that desire right it's just not gonna happen it's gonna end bad yep is what is what's gonna happen well and it just goes against scripture because paul says if you burn with passion get married get married that's the solution marry a girl exactly if you're a girl marry a guy because that's the only kind of marriage there is right because from the beginning there is no other kind of marriage that was what it was exactly as jesus replies so any other solution is a man-made solution and it's contrary to scripture and it yeah, again, it's it's just you got to go deeper too that your fulfillment's in Christ to just find this fulfillment anywhere. It's like they're just grasping for it. Oh no, you you have a longing. Well, where do we find it? In this kind of friendship or in this love or whatever. Well, and you should How about be, Christ. You should be yeah finding your fulfillment in Christ. And we're not saying you need to renew your mind. So we're not saying because you're a man and you have homosexual tendencies that you can never have a friendship with a man ever again. Right? Yeah, you need to renew your mind. You need to renew your mind and you need to see that person as a brother in Christ. Yeah. Now, are there going to be certain relationships that are probably not going to be wise for you to engage in? Yep. Yeah, there probably are. Just like if I was physically attracted to another man in a way which just seemed to be dangerous, I should probably distance myself from that person out of love for him, right? Out of love for his soul and my soul because it's Mm -hmm. dangerous. You avoid things and you renew your mind and and it's just wise. Yeah, all evil desires in our heart are to be put to death. Mm -hmm. And so we do that in various ways. Everyone's different. Everyone grows in their faith. And I know there was a lot of stuff that I needed to do 10 years ago, 12 years ago, so that I could put to death evil desires in my heart that mm-hmm. I don't have to do now. You know, God's been gracious and he's been wonderful to sanctify me. Well, and the biggest struggle that probably most single people have is like a sexual struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're being honest, right. yeah, I know a lot of people really want to have a family. But a lot of that is just driven by, I kind of want to like have sex. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. And Let's we be think, real people. Let's be real. And we think like, so I need to get you know. married because that's how you, you rightly fulfill that desire, which is true. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say if you cannot find self-control and you cannot rely on the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to war against your flesh, don't think you'll be able to do that after you're married. If there is a lack of self-control prior to marriage... You'd be a fool to think that all of a sudden after you're married, you're going to be this stoic, self-controlled being. Of course not. You know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit. You get self-control by walking in the spirit. 
Yeah. That's how that fruit is manifested in our life is by being, by walking in the spirit. So walk in the spirit, rely on the spirit to help you prior to marriage. And then after you're married, when temptation presents itself, you're still walking in the spirit and that temptation won't be a temptation for you. Yeah. And I think recognizing how strong the temptations are and then choosing to get married, maybe Mm -hmm. a little quicker than planned or something is a good decision. Yeah. You know, I think we'll go into that a little deeper in the dating thing, but... Grant and I met each other in, uh, well, really officially in July, June. May. We started working together. Okay. We met each other officially, officially in May of 2008. We started working together in May and started to have an attraction in the end of June, July. Mm -hmm. We went on our first date July 4th. Yeah. Which was chaperoned. And. Because I didn't have a car. (laughs) And um, we were engaged in September. Yep. Of that same year. And we were married in November of that same year. So it went pretty quick. There was a reason it went pretty quick. Yep. And it was a good decision. Great decision. So we understand if there's a temptation there, if there's a burning there, get married, y'all. Yeah. So yeah. And and there needs to be some sense of attraction there. I mean, we're not just saying like, oh, you shouldn't be attracted to the other gender. Well, yeah, you should. God designed for a man to be attracted to a woman and a woman to be attracted to a man. He designed it that way because he wants it to work that way. Now, you should not be lustful or sinful about how you view them or think about them. But that's why you get married because that's going to be a temptation and a struggle for you, I'm assuming. Yeah. And and it probably will grow. Yeah. As you're dating and planning the wedding and getting excited, Mm -hmm. that desire is probably going to grow. Yep. So we can talk more about like dating and that kind of stuff in our next episode. But just for singleness, you know, we've been there. We've been in the single Mm -hmm. period of our lives. And it is, it can be challenging. It can be challenging, especially if you feel secondary or especially if you feel like God's withholding something good from you. Right. If you're not content in the season he's given to you, if you're not busy, stay busy. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Yeah, staying busy is probably some of the best advice. That's not found in scripture, but it is true. (laughs) But you can take it to the bank. It's true. Staying busy was one of the best things I could do. Yep. So we hope this was beneficial for you single people out there. If not, maybe the married people can minister to the single people a little better. Mm-hmm. So leave us some feedback. Um, if you liked it, if you had any questions, check us out next week as we talk about dating. Mm-hmm. Again, go back to rebelalliancemedia.com for all of our previous episodes and all the new blogs and everything we got going up there. Yep. And do you have anything else? No. Thank you so much, guys. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.
you peep this, you'll see that verse one is my thesis. It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless. What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces. Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus. Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees' wicked spite against Christ that turned this into Nicked Night. He called the rabbi and gave him props, said he was a teacher from God. Jesus replied, made him stop. Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in. In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again. That must have consumed and stretched his mind, cause he said, Can a man enter his mother's womb a second time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it. Jesus said, You must be born of the water and the spirit. No other way to enter heaven. That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects in the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen Jesus. The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation The situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who has given new birth from above